Hey everybody, welcome to episode eight of Springfield USA. I'm Dan Gummel with Chad Wilson, and these are the Loftus brothers. They're the geniuses behind putting in the Whitewater Rapids going downtown. They're also bringing a microbrewery right here to Springfield. We're gonna be talking today about all the cool stuff that they're doing. Stay tuned, it's gonna be awesome. Chad, this is gonna be sweet. Dude, I'm totally charged. These guys get stuff done. They get it done. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Our Let's pleasure. Welcome to Springfield USA. Welcome back to episode eight of Springfield USA with the Loftus Brothers. We're coming at you from Commerce Point and Empire Studios in downtown Springfield, Ohio. If you haven't checked it out, ohiorecordingstudio.com. It's awesome. So you guys are 937 boys through and through, grew up here in Springfield. I'm curious about, like, I have a couple brothers. I'm curious about, like, what just kind of brotherhood looks like and, and how you guys... You guys grew up together, and now you're in business together. But you went your separate ways for a while. We did, yeah. yeah. Tell me, like, tell me a couple stories about what what that was like. Well, there was a lot of butt kicking, a lot of fighting, <laughs> playing in the streets. Yeah, uh, lots of sports. Uh, it was all three boys, actually, an older brother, Michael. <clears throat> John's the middle. I'm the youngest, and so I definitely got it handed to me a lot. Yeah. Nice. Do you still yeah. get it handed to you? Yeah, we don't physically fight okay. anymore. We mentally right. fight. Oh, mentally fight. Nice. I might win those occasionally. I'm the youngest of three boys. There as you well. go. There you go. Yeah. Yes, I Actually, wait. I know your pain. I only, I only have brothers, too, so we all have. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any sisters? Nope. Yeah, see? Oh, nope. Wow. None of that. It's crazy. We all have daughters now, though, which is kind of a karma, right? I yeah. Know yeah. Yeah. Almost exclusively. He's the only one with a boy. Everyone else has got girls. So it's different. We don't know what the hell we're doing. So you guys, you guys do know what you're doing though, because you did put in uh, the Whitewater Rapids here downtown. Where did that idea originally come from? That was really John. I'll be honest really? with you. I'll defer to John on that one. Were you, John? Were you just like sitting around one night and you're like, man, like this river needs some rapids? Yeah, we had a um, couple beers. Uh, in, moved back here for, in 2001 from Steamboat Springs, Colorado, where. Um, everybody plays. You're either skiing or you're kayaking. Yeah. And you're skiing 100 days in the winter, you're kayaking 100 days in the summer. Um, so I needed a place to kayak when I moved back here, and that's where it started. Yeah. Um, looked at a couple different rivers, looked at a couple different uh, options, but ended up right downtown. Frankly, it was almost kind of a selfish pursuit at first. It mm -hmm. snowballed into a much bigger deal. Nice. I think that's the way a lot of things start, yeah. though, is yeah. because you see, like I, like, I love this. You know, I'm in Steamboat, everyone plays. People need to play around here. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you've been Enjoy out on the river. Town. Yeah, I love the river. Um, I've been out to, actually, the Yampa in Steamboat as well. I have family out there, and it's just totally awesome out there, by the way. But I love it that you're bringing that back here. Um, tell us about, like, um, the release, how that works this summer or this fall. You know, how guys from Springfield, you know, people from Columbus and Dayton can come here and, and kayak. How's that work? Sure. Um the reservoir draws down in the fall. They get rid of their water for their winter pool elevation. And uh, through co collaboration with the C.J. Brown Reservoir, we made it possible to release that from mid-September through the end of November on the weekends. So they'll open up the gates um, Friday afternoon, and uh, water will flow until uh, Saturday, uh, late Sunday. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Kevin was telling us the other day um, – that was kind of a barrier to overcome, and it took about five years. And I just want to tell you guys, I appreciate the perseverance. Can you talk to that a little bit? 
Well, again, it, mostly John, but I can tell you it was uh, sitting back and watching it, frustrating. It was th two or three years before we got their attention. And then with the help of uh, our congressman at the time, Hobson, mm -hmm. I think finally got their attention. Uh, and then unfortunately one kid did pass away and the Army Corps suddenly was very receptive to the concept. Because mm. there were some low head dams, right? Yeah, we had old low head dams in there. Very dangerous. Uh, and they were very dangerous, especially at flood levels. Uh, and so the liability has been removed out of them. Uh, and some recreational benefits uh, have been added to them. That's awesome. And we get people, you know, the release is great because we get, it's a scheduled time. Normally, most of the year, the river in its entirety is not passable. It's got some low sections, you end up walking. But with the release and knowing when the release is on a schedule, people do come from out of town quite a bit, more than you think, and, right. and we'll paddle that top to bottom and then enjoying those particular spots where we've made those improvements for an extra bit of time. Tell us about the race. Yeah, there's yeah. this awesome canoe race. Can you guys tell us about this? Yeah, the um, the Buck Creek Bash. Um, we took a little break this year right. due to the uh, Fountain Street construction, uh, the bridge over Fountain Street. Um, they had equipment passing back and forth, and we didn't have a set time of when they were going to be done with it, so we kind of had to put it on hiatus this year. Uh, it'll be back next year, um, and it's a paddle and portage. You know, flat water paddle across the reservoir. Portaging three quarters of a mile, and then about a four and a half mile canoe race down to downtown. It's pretty hardcore. Yeah. My brother-in-law came in second last year, and he was telling me he was wanting to win it this year. So he was a little disappointed you didn't have it this well, year. He'll so. be disappointed to know there's no official results either. Oh, nice. <laughs> he can claim nice. second, but so can I. <laughs> nice. You guys, so we were talking to Louie last week about mm -hmm. just kind of bringing culture back downtown. And I was saying how I go down to San Antonio a lot and they have the river walk. Mm -hmm. Like, you could totally do something like that, you know, with the creek and just kind of develop the you whole. You know, we've looked at that. We've looked at every opportunity. Becoming from a development family and, and construction background and all that, we've looked at that. And it's a plus and a minus. It's really neat that our creek is mostly uh, public land uh, owned by the conservancy along both sides, a good majority of it, owned by the city or someone, someone else. There's very little, if any, uh, what I'll call commercial potential to develop on the banks. But that's also a good thing because it means it will never be developed on the banks. It is green. You get down in there, it's a different perspective of the city. Uh, it's green. It's, it's overgrown in places, but I'd rather, I guess, it be overgrown than over-commercialized. Right. So you, I'm not sure you'll ever see anything but maybe some more enhancements right. to the bike paths right. and stuff like that. Right. Tell us about you guys are doing a lot right now, currently in the city. Like what, what's keeping you up at night? You, you, I know you're working hard. We saw your right now. The microbrewery is yeah. keeping me up at night. Uh, you know, a lot of pressure to deliver, and and it's it's long overdue to do it here, and and so that is exactly what's keeping me up right now, and probably will forever moving forward. Tell us about the whole journey. When, when did the whole idea for the microbrewery start? Well, I you know I, I got my experience in in the mid '90s. I went to school in Vermont. I worked at a microbrewery by the name of Otter Creek Brewing in Middlebury. I spent about four and a half years there. I went to a brewing school in Chicago by the name of Siebel Institute. So I got into what I call craft beer 1.0. It's like the first kind. I mean, it started. In so you were there before. It was cool. But. Well, it, not around here, you weren't hearing much about it. You yeah, had right. your Great Lakes came along pretty quickly thereafter, uh, actually before, early 90s for them. But you weren't seeing it much here. Uh, I obviously left Vermont, left the industry for a while. And, and I'll be honest, I, we looked at it when I first moved back here in 04. We looked at doing more of a true brew pub. Mm -hmm. Licensing was different then. You had to either have food or you couldn't have the on-site uh, mm -hmm. consumption. And that licensing has mm -hmm. changed since. And I'll be honest with you, I think it was John that finally got me off my butt and, and started really focusing. I've had to pull back out the old files from 04 and throw most of it away. Uh, and so, you know, it's coming together. I think the timing's right. I think the industry's back on what I call craft 
Beer 2.0. Ohio is, is quickly catching up and becoming a real player in the national scene. I think we have the fourth highest production in the, really? in the nation. Wow. It's mainly because of Sam Adams down in Cincinnati. Okay. They put out a lot of beer. Okay. But we still have, I think since two, 2011, we've gone, I think, in Ohio from 47 breweries to over 110 now really? in four years. That's about the time the licensing changed and allow you to do on-site consumption without the food element. Right. So every brewer in, around said, oh, I don't got to mess with the restaurant now. I'm going for it. And so that's really what's been a lot of the surge. Uh, and, and the craft beer keeps grabbing more market share. It doesn't seem to be slowing down. It may have an ebb and flow yet, but the local f- focus and the right. uh, fresh focus and millennials are driving that a lot. Mm-hmm. But we found the right building with John's help. He's the one driving the construction side of things, and it's a really neat building, so we're excited about that. Yeah. What building is it? We are going in the old Miller Printing Building. Yeah. It's uh, probably doesn't mean anything to most people. We're right at 109 West North Street, just a little caddy corner from the Cancer Center and in the shadow of the big metallic casket building. We're going to open up and create some entrances, and it's a three-story building with neat big timbers. Mm. I mean, really yeah, cool yeah. woodwork throughout, yeah. and we'll have a big beer garden out back. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Yeah. So, John, um, the, the facility, how did you locate that, and, and what other facilities did you look at? Um, actually, it's a building we have looked at for five, six, seven years. Uh, just um, in the commercial development and construction, this is a great building. It's got great character. What can we do with it? And the right projects did, didn't ha- come along. And um, uh, the right usage, the right uh, um, uh, investment wasn't there. Um, when we started talking about the brewery um, last uh, summer of 14, um, we looked all over the place. We started we looking at Miller Printing. Um, we looked at the Champion City Industrial Park, just building new for a brand new sterile facility. That's what you know. You're producing a product there, um, uh, so building new was an option. Um, we ended up looking at the old Savoy site. Um, you know, it came down to numbers. It came down to uh, what's it going to cost to build it and the amount of square footage and potential usage we get out of it. Um, so we ended up back at the an old building. Get uh, the character of an old building. So do you guys, I mean, is this, is this something that you guys, like, you kind of, like, stay up at night and you, like, you know, you draw out sketches of, like, okay, you know, I, I, want, the, I, want, the, I want the bar over here and I want the, you know, I want the seating over here and there's like going to be a live band over here. Like, are you, are you kind of into that? Like, do you see it? Do you, do you visualize does. it? Yeah. Yeah, and I've done uh, many pages of um, artistic renderings and construction blueprints and drawings over the last year and a half and, and um, spent a lot of time with either new construction, how do we design a new building, or how do we reuse an old building. Um, and it's an ongoing process. Every day something new pops into our head like, hang on, we should re- maybe we rethink you know, uh, the final design of the bar. And then we know. debate whether we're making yet another round of changes to the blueprints or waiting until we're constructing to so make it. So you go an back to your days of being high school kids on – in in the Ridgewood neighborhood, and you guys just fight it out in the beer garden. Have you done that yet? <laughs> Remarkably, we we've uh, um, the vision's been pretty focused. It, it, little variations here and there, or little improvements to create the character inside the bar. But uh, since we started talking, um, and it took a couple months to, how big do we want to start? Um, what kind of you know uh, equipment do we want to purchase? What size equipment do we want to purchase? But once we got that settled, it was you know it's it's been pretty smooth. Yeah. I mean the building is what it is. It lays itself out in a certain way that it almost dictates to some degree 
You go in there now, it's going to look a lot when, lot like it does now when we're done. There's no walls, open beams, and we're looking to keep it that way. So the building certainly lent itself, and it's easy to go in there and see that vision. And then between John's drawings and renderings and, and my lack of creativity, but, but ability to see that a little bit, uh, it is dictating to us to some degree how we're doing it. I'd love to um... – Man, I'd love to see more of those drawings, like the one that you showed me the other day. I think people just really get stoked to see stuff like that, you know, to yeah. see the creativity and, and, like, what's coming downtown. Well, I think we'll be a couple, another couple months. We get further along, yeah. we'll start our Facebook page, that kind of yeah, stuff, awesome. and we'll kind of go back and tell the story through the yeah, timeline right. of the right. early drawings and all right. that stuff, but one thing at a time right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, guys, we... Um, we usually play a trivia game today, but I was actually thinking about switching it up, Chad. From our conversation earlier, these guys are such studs. I think we should give them like $20 million and pretend uh, Monopoly money ah. and ask them what they would do with I'd it. i say 25. 25? 25 okay. million. Dollars. Okay. Guys, what do you see as young entrepreneurs in our city? What do you see $25 million going to to raise the quality of life, to make us – a location where people want to come from out of town and build business here. What do you see? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, that's something we've been working on for years. Um, well, you have it, the same it, exercise occasionally. In well, our yeah, office. we do. As a family and as brothers um, sitting around, what do we do next? Um, and it's gotten to the point where I've spent hours developing lists and drawings of uh, – what can be done to the recreational aspect of the park district? Yeah. Improvements to the park, um, additions to parks. What else can we add? Rock climbing, um, additional whitewater sites, mountain biking, and all. Some projects are in the work right now. You know, um, extension of bike trail and pedestrian bridge in Snyder Park is in the works right now. Um, the Clark County Park District has uh, acquired land for cliffs uh, out there off the Mad River. Um, so we're working on um, the policy Steered. of <laughs> game changer. Yeah, we're working on the policy of the climbing management of that area right. through the winter and, and uh, develop something time. for next year. Oh, so, yeah. so there's yeah, there's a there's stuff we throw back and forth all the time. But back to focus on the twenty five million dollars. <laughs> That's going to happen. It would help facilitate that maybe a little quicker. I mean, we're still making, with our limited budgets that all the county, the national trails, the city, everybody has, we're trying to work within those budgets. And so it takes a little bit more time. And, and uh, we are working. John's been leading the charge with the county parks on acquiring some land that will be, it'll open up the south side of the cliffs first. Nice. We are having a discussion. It's been had before, but we're resurrecting it with the right people, we believe, to talk about the Masonic side home. Mm -hmm. They're open to that discussion, but that could be three, four years down the road. Mm -hmm. It all takes time. But the $25 million focus, I think he would agree. I think we agree. And, uh, and frankly, our father and our, our, everyone in our office agrees. I think the one game changer with that kind of money would be to focus it primarily on recreation. Mm. And I say that because we have a lot of the other pieces in place. We have our industrial, you know, it, it's a competitive world, city right. to city, competing right. for jobs. Right. And everyone thinks we'd lose that outright, but we don't. We have a lot of the pieces in place between the city and the chamber. Projects happening, we can point to almost, uh, I think, 700 million or something in the last 12 years in downtown alone. Uh, and that's impressive. And those are the type of things no one thinks about retroactively. We like to complain nothing's happening, but things are happening. Uh, and we're putting those pieces in place, whether it's we have more industrial ground available now than we've had in a long time. So someone comes in and wants to build a big site, they can. We have it. Uh, we have some renovated historic buildings happening, the Bushnell, other things, office space ready to go, and some neat old buildings downtown. 
Our city is prepared to make incentive packages for the right people, stuff like that. So the pieces are in place. Our schools are improving tremendously, especially with South High and all that. I mean, that's a big big piece of it. Uh, Creative thinking outside the box within our schools and making a big change and enrollments are up. So that's huge. But But back to the one thing I think that is a big decision maker is when someone, a CEO comes in to look at us versus another city. They see those pieces in place. The other city probably has the same pieces, but what do we have they don't? We have natural assets that we're starting to capitalize, whether it be the creek Mm. or or whatever be it. We have the park system in place. We need to focus money more to make those really outstanding and help differentiate ourselves, whether it's improved bike paths, more money on the bike paths, it's, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of money recently. We've got the ice arena. We've got the uh, all-inclusive playground. Money's getting spent in Snyder again with the spray ground. The golf awesome. course transition maybe going the way of a wetland mitigation bank, which could be really neat. Educational components, natural environment settings for hiking stuff. We're working on the climbing. But the big pieces could be like uh, maybe a downtown dedicated soccer stadium. It could be all sorts of different things that could be game changers, uh, maybe a new natatorium. Who knows? I mean, all sorts of different things that I think can make our city more competitive in the eyes of people visiting us that uh, could be really dynamite. I know you guys played soccer growing up and in college as well. And uh, You played at Wittenberg for a little while, right, John? Hence the shirt. Nice. Nice. Tell us about that journey. It was was part of growing up, you know, uh, picking sports, uh, playing all kinds of sports growing up as kids do, um, and then focusing on um, soccer in high school. Um, You guys went. You guys went to Catholic Central, which is was a pretty soccer powerhouse back in the day. And actually, it started my freshman year. The program was uh, maybe four years old, four or five years old when I came in in uh, '86, and uh, Shane Latham came in that same year, and he's still the coach, and he's done a wonderful job with it, and created a great program. Um, and, and it afforded the opportunity to play in college, um, uh, which was a great time. Um, a great part of great part of life was college, you know. Um, but you know, you move on, you experience other sports, you, you move on from uh, the, the competitive sports as you get a little older. You find other activities, uh, kayaking, uh, climbing, those kind of things. Um, I just recently started playing hockey, you know. So. Nice. Really? Yeah. Nice. Build an ice rink, you I, might as well play I gotta be hockey. honest, I wouldn't so. want to be checked by this guy. Dude, I would not want to be checked by that guy. <laughs> so, um. I play curling, you know. Yeah, I might I'll, yeah. I'll get a craft brew from there. That's right. There, we let yeah. ice curl. glass yeah. out on the ice. Right. The other day, the other day we were talking with Kevin and, uh, he was saying, um, just about soccer and his vision for, like, this champion city yeah, you've got, a, you've got a really cool idea, dude. Yeah, talk, dude. Talk yeah I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Springfield needs it, It's going to go on, somewhere. Throw man. it out there. And we talk about this internally as well. Uh, we do a lot of brainstorming, for better or worse. Some of it's useless. Some of it's good. There needs to be more brainstorming in the city now. Yeah. Uh, so I have an idea. It's not new. It's just reinventing the wheel. Uh, the, the idea of a almost a, I hate to say the word European, but it is basically a European concept of athletic club. Right. And New York Athletic Club is one example of a remnant. And it throwback 100 years, a lot of towns had the athletic club concepts. Right. New York still hangs on to one, a very successful one. Uh, and then there's one called the Olympic Club in San Francisco, but it's frankly focused a lot on yachting and some golfing and things that are a little bit too upper crust for us. 
They and just had the American Cup. Yeah, no, it's so. an amazing program. They do a lot of rugby. They're a real mm. rugby powerhouse. Uh, and I think you, if we can adopt that concept here, one of the concerns I have right now is we have a lot of great athletes in Springfield, and they're all playing in different leagues. We have numerous baseball right. leagues in Northridge, which we know Northridge to be a little bit of a production warehouse of great right. baseball we had athletes. Rick, we had Rick White on our show, and yet, our second episode. Yeah, and yet now they're all on different traveling teams. Mm. We need to get them under one umbrella, one traveling team, and I bet we go out and kick some butt. And the idea is you do that for every sport. Now, we already have some pieces in place. We have a great soccer select program. It's 20-plus years strong. We're part of the Thunder. Springfield Thunder. I was one of the first teams ever created there when I was in seventh grade. Uh, it's, it's, it's proven to be have the longevity needed and decent quality of players. We need to ramp that up to the next level. Yeah. Uh, we need to do the same with the swimming. The swimming has is, is been around for so long and such a powerhouse that I think they need, the, they need more respect and they need maybe a better uh, facility, dare I say it. Uh, and take that to the next level. We got, hell, I think, is it Margot Gear has... Yeah, I swam with her growing up. I mean, she's on track to be in the Olympics. Yeah, possibly making the Olympics. Just got nominated for NCAA athlete, NCAA's female athlete of the year or something for swimming. Uh, So those programs have some history and they have some prestige. And I think those deserve better facilities. And that's, again, where the $25 million comes in, I think. And so we bring all these sports under one big umbrella. So what's the umbrella called? Well, maybe Champion City Athletic Club. I don't really the care about the name. I think that one's cool, but I don't really care about the name. What, why would we do that? I think it's a way, if you can get all these different programs, <clears throat> the strong ones already, and then start fostering the other ones. Like we have a quite a little rugby club here that gets almost yeah. no notice. No, so it's not noticed at we all. Got the email from that kid I told you about, he, the, one of the rugby guys emailed us last week, and they said, hey, we like what you're doing. Um, you know, we're trying to trying to get noticed. And they told they told me like, you know, we came in second in the state last year. Yeah, I think they're legit. And and I was like, why aren't you guys getting any press? No, you know? it's like they don't and, exist. And there has and so there has to be this spirit where what's good for rugby is good for Absolutely. Northridge baseball. And what's Absolutely. good for Northridge baseball is good for spy. So my theory know? is we bring all these disparate different leagues yeah. together and, and then the the, the, the the sports that don't get the attention. Right. And we put them all under one athletic club umbrella. So we get common branding, common theming, common organizational. And what that drives is both then an ability to go out and attract private investment to be sponsors, right. which could drive some offset some of those costs. But it also helps to bring in some of the bigger events, uh, the bigger the sports tourism draws, right. uh, having the leverage to do such. Yes. And I don't think it would be a huge endeavor. I mean, I think it could, you know, by the time you have a director that's going to oversee the other coaches and work and help facilitate and schedule those things, and by the time you implement a common uh, uniforms throughout and get your sponsorship all that organized, it could be a year process, year and a half, and you could have you could be into it for quite a bit of money. But that's where the sponsorships come in. I think it's key to get the private that will drive the private investment in those aspects versus more and more taxes, which we just, uh, you know, some of what you just can't really stomach right, much yeah. more anymore around here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one thing Dan and I talk a lot about is like, there's no reason Springfield High shouldn't be a dynamo. Right. Um, we shouldn't lose people like Braxton Miller right. anymore. Right. And so we want to help turn that tide. And, and a lot of it's just talking about it and, and getting that buzz going. And I, I just really appreciate you guys. And I appreciate your vision. And I appreciate the fact that you guys get stuff done because uh, we talked the other day, we need 50 more guys like you in town and gals in town that just have vision and have dreams and they dream big. I was I was talking to a family member recently and they were like, dude, Loftus Brothers dream big and they get stuff done. And so I just I just want to thank you guys yeah. for that. Yeah, yes. it's our pleasure. You guys are good. We live here, so we want it better. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean, that's the whole point of, of the show and what we're trying to build here. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, thanks so much for being on the show. Our pleasure. It's been great. Yeah. 
If you haven't checked out Loftus Brothers, you should. You should go downtown. Where's the first entry point for the to get in the brewery? No, for the river, oh. the creek. Uh, you can put in up at the C.J. Brown Reservoir yeah. off their um, Prairie View parking lot there, um, and do the whole town run. Um, the Whitewater specific sites are right behind the Art Museum in uh, Veterans Park and Snyder Park, mm-hmm. just uh, west of Plum Street. Yeah. And then when's the brewery? What are we looking at? Next May? Yeah, if everything stays on target, we're looking at it May. It better, dude. I'm looking forward to the beer. I know. A lot of pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for checking out Springfield USA. These are the Loftus Brothers. They're opening up a brewery next uh, next summer in 2016 right here in Springfield. Check it out. I'm going to be there. Chad, you're going to be there? I think I might go. And we'll also see you on the river. Until next time, we'll see you around.